0: probably the most familiar is when Jesus cast out some some evil spirits unclean spirits and and they they called them he called himself legion remember he says my name is legion jesus says what's your name my name is legion for we are many so he had multiple possessions of multiple demons and we'll get to that we're going to read about that this matters because of what what happens in Revelation chapter 9, sometimes we think that we think that, that unseen world is not that important. Well, when you start reading Revelation chapter 9, and you see some unseen things now that are going to be seen during the tribulation, it changes your mind about the power of the unseen world, about demons and fallen angels. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And, and so we believe in these things because Jesus told us that these things were true. Whether it be demons or evil evil spirits, unclean spirits and demons are synonyms. Whether it be unclean spirits, evil spirits, which or demons, they're doing different things. Or if we're talking about fallen angels, it's true and Jesus Christ says it's true. With your Bibles open there to Revelation chapter 9, I'm going to read the passage and then... After a while, I'm going to come back to you and tell you four or five things that we know f- from reading Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9, we're in the, we're what they call the uh, uh, trumpet judgments. You know, there's seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and bowl judgments. 21 total contained within the seventh seal judgment are the trumpet judgments. Contained in the seventh trumpet judgment are the bowl judgments. We are now at the fifth trumpet judgment. And these are, you'll see in part of the woes, there's some woes, warnings that these next, you see that in verse 13 of chapter 8. Then I looked and I heard, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. And... And, of course, scholars say sometimes eagles are euphemisms for angels or it could have been an angel that speaks. That kind of stuff happened in the Old Testament, so it's it could do that. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. And the emphasis in that sentence is dwell. There, These are people, we're in the midst of the tribulation, you know, we're already through the, the seal judgments, and we're now in the trumpet judgments, they are still committed to the work of the Antichrist, and they are earth dwellers. Those of us are saved. The Bible says our home is not here. We're strangers and aliens to this world. We're not earth dwellers. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, you know, set your mind on things above, not the things on this earth. So this, this phrase, when it says earth dwellers, it's talking about their commitment to, to what the Antichrist had offered? Really, it talks about what the Antichrist and Satan and evil spirits offer now in this world. But so it says, "Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that that the three angels are about to blow." So, as bad as it's been, they said, "You haven't seen anything yet. What's going to happen in these next three judgments?" Now, again. Think about, we're in seven years of tribulation, and it's obvious that we're well into the second half of the seven years. We, most scholars believe somewhere in the sealed judgments, you leave the first three and a half years and you enter the second three and a half years. Jesus called the second three and a half years the great tribulation, right? And what marks the great tribulation, Jesus said by quoting Daniel. He quotes Daniel 9. So then, let me ask you something. Did Jesus believe Daniel wrote prophecy? Yeah, he did. He quoted him, right? So Jesus quotes Daniel 9, and he uses this phrase that marks the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Tribulation is a seven-year period. The Great Tribulation is half of it, which is three and a half years. There's an event that marks the beginning of the Great Tribulation, right? Right? There's an event that marks the beginning of the whole tribulation. That's the signing of a covenant with Israel, with the Antichrist, leading this, this multinational conglomerate to sign a peace treaty with Israel. So it's that covenant that he's going to break. So the abomination of desolation is right dead center in the seven years, three and a half years he breaks this covenant. And the abomination of desolation, or it's called the abomination that makes desolate, is when the Antichrist is in Jerusalem. And he enters a rebuilt temple which is spoken about three times in the New Testament. He enters, a, there's not a temple there yet, okay? There's not a temple. There's the Dome of the Rock, the Muslims have a spot, but the temple, there's no longer a temple there and, and haven't been for thousands, two thousand years. But anyway, so there's a rebuilt temple and, and the Antichrist Now I'm describing the abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist not only breaks the covenant, but he goes into the he goes into the holy place. He's in the temple. And he, he demands to be worshipped as God. He takes the place of God Jehovah or the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a fake Jesus. And he demands to be obeyed. And this is where the mark of the beast and all that comes out. But that's called the abomination of desolation where he desecrates uh, the temple of the holy God. And that begins what's called the great tribulation. It's obvious that when you start reading that we're already in the, the latter half of the great tribulation. So the fifth angel blew his trumpet, verse 1. And there's going to be three woes. I think we're just going to read two of them. But the, the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. And folks, that's, that's another name for hell. Uh, the abuso, the bottomless pit. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. It's number one, right off the bat, Satan, nor fallen angels, nor demons, evil spirits, none of them are Lord over hell. God the Father and God the Son are Lord over hell. They control hell. It's not the devil. It's not the devil's hell. It's God's hell. He owns this. And so he commissions this key to go, that shaft, to open the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Folks, this is somewhere on the earth that there's going to be an opening, open up somewhere, we believe somewhere in the Middle East. And it's going to open up and earthlings are going to be able to see this abyss open up. And from the pits of hell, these things are going to come up out of the ground as we see it. And they're not the only ones. We'll keep reading. This is the Lord's, in, the Lord's in control of all this. Look what he says. He opened the shaft, the old pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened. I always think about earthquakes. I mean, uh, yeah, earthquakes and uh, uh, volcanoes erupting and how the sometimes it will darken the sky because of the stuff that's in the air. So... It got dark, um, darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions. Now let me just say, we'll have a tendency to read this as if we're living in the 21st century, right? A lot of people put contemporary military machinery in these verses, okay? Really, some of it does sound like sound like helicopters and stuff. Some of it does. You can make it sound like that. I, I don't. These are not military helicopters, airplanes, whatever. These are demons. Okay, these something coming out of the bottomless pit, and it's not a helicopter. It's, it's, it's demons. Anyway, so from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass, which that's normally what scorpions, I mean, uh, what locusts would do. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant, that's what locusts would normally do, or any tree, okay? So they, they look like locusts. That's not all they look like. They had the sting of a scorpion. Uh, don't hurt the earth or any green plant or any tree. But who are you going to affect? But only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Everybody who gets saved, you and I, we've been saved and sealed. The Bible says we, when we got saved, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1 tells us that, that and 1 Corinthians tells us that, that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Folks that get saved in the tribulation, God somehow miraculously, much like he does the 144,000 witnesses, he seals them. He, he places his mark of identity. And remember, in order to be saved, you repent and believe in Jesus, just like you do now. They'll hear the gospel. But the one other big thing that can't happen is you have to reject the Antichrist and you have to reject the mark of the beast. And when you repent of your sins and you believe that Jesus is Lord... There's a, he marks you as His own. He's always done that. He's always marked His people. Just like the Jewish males in the Old Testament. They had a mark. They marked themselves to identify as God's people. God has always had His people marked. Well, He's physically going to mark these people on their forehead to identifying them as, as His. So these scorpion, locusts, monstrous looking things are going to torment unsaved people okay so this is during the tribulation this is the latter part of the tribulation and these entities are going to persecute unsaved people let's keep reading they were allowed to torment them for 5 months and by the way, you can look it up now. Don't do it now. It would hurt my feelings. But if you looked it up and said, how, how, what's the lifespan of a locust? The outside time is five months, three to five months, okay? So as long as those locusts are, I mean, yeah, locusts would stay, okay, for, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. Are you with me? They can torment them, but not kill them. Now let me. I'm going ahead and giving you some of my stuff later on, but I got to because I'm all fired up about it. Now, think about it. it Says it'll torment them, but it won't kill them. So here's these earth dwellers. They've they've reject. They are they know that this this judgment's coming from God. We learned that back in chapter six. You know they know the judgment's coming from God, but they won't repent. And so now these demonic entities come out of the ground, and they're they're per, they're stinging and 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 making lost people suffer, but they still will will not repent. It's an interesting thing. But it says they'll suffer for five months, but they're commanded not to kill anybody. So they'll, they'll suffer pain, but they won't die. Now, hang in there, listen to what I'm saying. They will suffer, but they will not die. Where did these entities come from? What would be... What did I say? The, the bottomless pits also could be called what? Hell. Guess what's going to happen in, in the pit of hell when people go to hell? They're tormented, but what? They don't die. And they destroy. This is from the pit of hell. Look what it says. They were allowed to torment them for five months and not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. Now, that's, that's a weird statement unless you understand that the people, what it's saying is they're going to get stung by these scorpion entities and this is going to hurt so bad they're going to wish they would die from it, but they're not. That, to me, that's how that reads, okay? They will long to die, but death will flee from them. I, and I think the context there is the sting of this would be so severe. Now... Is it also applied to during this torment that somebody would jump off a mountain or jump off a cliff and wouldn't die? I don't know if it's talking about that. I think it's talking about the context of of what's this persecution, this this wrath of God being poured out. Keep reading. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. Because you're thinking, why did God send these weird-looking entities? I'm fixed to answer that. In appearance... The locusts were like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were what looked like, and again, he just says what looked like. He didn't say they're crowns of gold for sure. Well, look at got crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Like human faces. So they didn't have a dog face. You know, they didn't have an angelic face. whatever. They had what appeared to be human faces. Their hair was like a woman's hair. So... In that, women had long hair, okay? And their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. So these entities had something that looked like a breastplate on their chest area. The heart protector is what it's called. And, And it looked like it was of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots. With horses rushing into battle. They have tails. And stings like scorpions. And their power to hurt people. For five months is in their tails. And look what it says in verse 11. They have as king over them. Now he's. this is a king over these entities. But not king over the bottomless pit. They have as king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he is called Apollyon. Apollo would be the root of that. Apollo would be, and it means destroyer. And there's good application, good interpretation. As you could say, that's probably Lucifer or that's probably Satan. There is a possibility it's another high another ranking fallen angel. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. Now, just step back for just a second, and I want you to think with me. Now, we we haven't finished. That's just the beginning of this chapter. But I want you to think with me just for a second. Where in the world, or why in the world, would God in His wrath being poured out, would He send these entities that are in some way half animal, or half insect, let's say, part insect, part animal, lion's teeth, and part human. Why in, in God's judgment? Because God does everything for a purpose. You know, he's, he's the eternal God. He has a plan. Why are these entities so diverse and wicked looking? Why? Why? Now, I'm going to blow your mind. You with me? There's an answer to this in Scripture. Okay. Now, in well, let me just paraphrase in Genesis six: Noah's Ark. You with me? The Nephilim came into the world, and they they had relations with women. Okay, and that's where the giants came from. The fallen ones is what they're called. The giants, but but history. Now, I'm not in not in Genesis, but in History books written in Bible days mentions that they not only played with human DNA, fallen angels having relations with women. Okay? And that's mentioned twice in the New Testament. Okay? Jude and Peter both say that. Okay, But other books say that not only did they do that, they did it with animals. They fooled with animal DNA. And, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'll give you one reason why we know that. It's because when, when God called the animals to the ark, you with me, remember? Two of each kind, seven of the ones that were going to be sacrificed to clean, and seven, two, male and female. You remember how they got to the ark? Did Noah go get them? No. Who brought them to the ark? There's good indication the reason God brought them to the ark is he knew which ones were clean and unclean that had not been fooled with. What I believe this is, is this is just a symbol of how the fallen angels had played God and had done some things. This is, why the, this is why God wiped, when you think about the flood, he wiped everything that had air in their nostrils, they died, except eight people on an ark and the animals they had on the ark. So he judged man and he judged animals, creation. And, why did he do that? And, and we believe because of the sordid work of fallen angels. And so, so there's a reason. Why, and it seems as if. this. Should, now I'm just speculating. That these entities that are now coming out of the pit of hell. So by the way. And, and the New Testament says that the ones that. Okay hang in there with me. Don't get. I know you lost your mind now already. But don't. The angels that did what I'm telling you. That did this interbreeding. The Bible says he locked them up, okay, in gloomy chains of darkness until the judgment of that great day. Many scholars believe this is those entities, they're fallen angels. And God is now releasing them and they're they're coming on the face of the earth. But let me ask you, where did they come from? Hell, right? Where are they going to end up? Robbie read a verse, the last verse said, you will die like men. That was one of the judgments on fallen angels. You, fallen angels, we're not talking about evil spirits now. That's a whole other group. Fallen angels that did all that stuff, he says, you will die like men. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to die and go to hell just like as if they weren't angelic. Interesting. God's judgment on them. You will die like men. And Psalm 82 talks about this heavenly council, the divine council. And some of the divine council rejected God's leadership and they fell. There's a rebellion. Y'all know all about that. Those fallen angels aren't going to get away with it. And that's part of that judgment is there in Psalm 82. You will die like men. So they come out of hell because that's where they were. They were bound. They're going to do their wickedness and then they're going to go back to hell. Now, I want you to take your finger and I want you to go to, hold your finger here. Go to Luke. Okay, Luke 9. And where I said Luke chapter 9. Now, while you're finding that, I want to mention this. And again, I've got got 12 minutes, okay? If you study church history, okay, especially first century. Now, we're reading, we're studying the book of Acts. We're studying the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, okay? And in the book of Acts, the, the first part of the book of Acts, you realize that the gospel is is limited to, the, not, you know, this is God's plan, but the first, it goes to the Jews, okay? So for the first few months of the gospel after Pentecost, most of the people that get saved are Jews, okay? And that happens for a few more months, and then finally Peter gets a, a call to go to a, a Gentile, and then, of course, by chapter 9, Paul is going to the Gentiles, and so Gentiles get saved and so now that's why you and I are here but christian jew jewish people that were saved in the first century they had they were they were rooted in judaism they knew their old testament history okay now again you'd have to just believe me i'm not making this up this is what this is what the history books tell you the jewish the, there's all kind of these jewish books that that you can read that are that are they're good history books, okay? The Mishnah, there's several of these scholarly works that the Jews put together that are commentaries on the Old Testament, okay? It's not scripture, but it's good study tools. But anyway, a Jew in Jesus' day, if you were to approach them and say, why is the world so corrupt? You know, let's say the Roman Empire, just decadent. As perverted, as sick as we are, just as this our world is. Somebody would say, why is the world so wicked? If somebody asked you that question, this is what they would say. They said there's three reasons why. Now, I want you to listen to what they believed in to be true. This is what Jesus believed. This is what Paul believed. We know that from reading Scripture. Why is the world so wicked? Number one, the first thing that happened was when? In the garden, right? Genesis chapter 3, when man fell, when man sinned. And in Adam's sin... You know, basically, the sin nature was passed on to all of us. And Adam's sin, we sinned all is one of the little phrases. So so first it was sin entered the world, right? And now you are born with a sin nature because you're the descendant of Adam. Adam was a sinner. Now every human that's ever been born is born in sin, in a sin nature. And you sin. That's number one. Number two, see, that's not the only thing that made man bad. Jews would say the second reason why that we're so wicked is what happened and what led to the flood. It says in Genesis 6-5 that every thought and intention of man's heart were continually wicked. So man, in general, had a wicked and vile heart. All of them did. Well, if you study Jewish history that's referring to what the fallen angels did. They not only taught, they not only interbred, but they, they taught wicked things. They, they taught sorceries. They, they taught pharmakia, drug use. They, there's just tons and tons and tons, bestiality. Why do you think God had to start telling the Jews not to have sex with animals? You don't just think. They were taught that in many books. So you had these fallen entities, these fallen angels that were just corrupting man. They wanted to corrupt the men that were made in God's image. So that's the second one, right? So you had the fallen Adam. You had had the wicked fallen angels which were flooded in Genesis 6. The third thing was a Tower of Babel, which is extremely important, very important, because Deuteronomy tells us that because of the Tower of Babel, Okay, God rejects the nations. He rejects all nations because they rebelled. They would. This is only a hundred and something years after the flood. They, the he says, "I want you to go spread across the you know, spread just like I did at creation." They didn't do it. They got together and built the tower. Really, it was a worship edifice. You know, the Tower of Babel. They didn't obey God. They they stayed together and built the tower. So God comes down, and it says not only does he spread them out based on languages, he confused their languages, Bible, bye, 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 bye. So he, 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 he confused their languages, so everybody had to get together with people that were speaking what they were speaking, so they, he divided them. But the Bible says he, 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 he really disengaged from all of mankind. He was not going to be the God to any nation except, couple of years later who does he go get he gets abraham and he and abraham's an old man that makes it perfect because if they're going to have children he's going to do it and his wife is barren perfect couple they're in their 90s they don't have children and she's barren he's going to make a, he's going to make a nation from them and he says they're going to be my people and that's who they were the children of god now Quickly, just to let you know, it's those nations that God rejected. The Bible says he, he, he divided them, 70 nations. If you could do the nations that were divided at Tower of Bible, there's 70. Some say 72. And he says he, he divided them based on the angels, certain angels. And so certain angels had authority over those nations. The problem is those, those angels went bad. And so all those nations have been corrupted. And that's why all the other nations have these false gods. They were fed that from fallen angels. That's about all I can say about that. But that's where all that came from. So fallen angels are one wicked entity that we're dealing with. That's what comes up out of the abyss. Angels that God had locked up in chains. Other entities that we deal with are demons and fallen and evil spirits. Okay? There's fallen angels and there's evil spirits. Let's move on. I'm in Luke. What did I say? Mark, Luke, Luke. I don't know I'm out of time. I've got five minutes. Go to... Did, did I say Luke, right? Just checking. <laughs> I'll get there. Look at... Um, so this is chapter 9, verse 1. Okay? And he called the twelve together. And he gave them power and authority over all the demons. And to cure diseases... And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now, when you read the New Testament and you, see, and you see Christ mention his kingdom, usually along with mentioning his kingdom, there's going to be an exorcism or there's going to be a, a work of grace on somebody that's demon-possessed or is sick because of an unclean spirit. Now, I want you to think about this. This is God's kingdom invading this wicked world. Are you with me? We go all the way back to the Tower of Babel. God had a nation called Israel. They didn't do what he wanted to do. So Jesus was sent to be the true vine. But still all those nations for the last thousands of years are corrupt. And that's why the Bible says this is the kingdom of Satan. This is the prince of the power of the air. The God of this age rules this world. The God of this world is what Satan's called. But because of Christ and the gospel, we're now invading that wicked kingdom with the kingdom of God. You with me? Jesus said, you know, this, I, I'm a king, but this is not my kingdom. If this was my kingdom, my men would fight. But my kingdom's not of this world. But he is a king. And he is ruling. But that happens through the new birth. And so this is what, you know, when it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, when Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. Think about what he said. And I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're in, we're in the outskirts of hell and we're, the kingdom of God is one person at a time purging people out of this kingdom of wickedness. We're in foreign territory. So when Jesus would mention his kingdom... Usually there was some kind of exorcism going on or because you were, they were showing authority over evil spirits to show that Christ has that kind of authority. That's not always true, but most of the time true. So you have the apostles here. Go to chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72. Now, again, it's a, sometimes the 70 nations in, in, at the tower... Back in Genesis 11. Sometimes it's counted as 70. Sometimes 72. Uh, sometimes this number is 70. Sometimes it's 72. But this is what it's referring to. But look what happened. And after this the Lord appointed 72 others. And he's besides the disciples. And he sent them on ahead of him. Two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Okay, Now just flip over to verse 17. So they returned from their little mission trip. You with me? And it says the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw, I've always wondered, I never put this in this context. I love this verse. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What did Jesus mean by that? Satan's still here. He's still the prince of the power of the air. He's still the God of this age. But when did Jesus see Satan fall like lightning? It's everybody that was set free from a demon. Everybody who was made clean. Everybody who got saved. Everybody who responded to the gospel from the work of these 70 or 72 uh, evangelists that went out, that Jesus went out. Mocking the 70 nations that... God spread all over the earth. Kind of a word picture that, that now Christ through the gospel, the gospel can have power to release people anywhere the gospel is heard. But that's what he's talking about. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority. And he goes on to talk about the power over serpents and all that. Now, take your Bibles and go back to Luke chapter 7. And, and I, I, I know, I know I'm out of time, okay? Go back to Luke chapter 7. Uh, verse 18 says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. This is, they reported it to John. So this, is, this, is, this is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is being persecuted. He's probably going to lose his life. And uh, so he calls two of his disciples to him and sent them to the Jesus. And, and he sends them to say, Are you the one who is, who is to come? What he's asking, he, John's kind of questioning want to make sure if I'm going to die, this is the Messiah. So he sends two of his disciples to Jesus and they ask him, are you the one, are you the true Messiah or should we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, they came back to John the Baptist. um, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who has come? And so, so anyway, this is what Jesus says. It says, in that very hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them. Now, these are the ones that came to see him from John the Baptist. Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind received their sight. The lame walk. Leopards are cleansed. And the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. Right? So, Jesus says, go tell John the Baptist that the king is here. And Christ is demonstrating his authority over all these things as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So person by person who hear the good news of Jesus Christ will be born out of darkness. That's why the Bible says that he conveyed us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great way of describing getting saved? He conveyed us out of a world of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks if you're not saved. People that are not saved. Live in darkness. And the prince of the power of the air. Is their God. There's one of two decisions. Either the Lord Jesus Christ. Or Satan is your father. That's what Jesus said. You're either. You're either submit to him. Or your father is the devil. That's what Jesus said in John 4. 844. Who's your father? So those of us that know Christ. Not only have we been saved. But. Jesus Christ has transferred us by by the new birth. He's taken us out of the dead world of sin, and He made us alive. It's like the illustration of torn, tearing apart. We followed Jesus into new life, just like the sea was torn apart, and they went into the, the promised land. Christ tore all this apart, and we have followed Him into new life. That's what's happened. Well, I'm not going to go there, but... but uh, Chapter Well, let's go to chapter 8 since I'm right here. I lied to you. Look at chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So That's one reason why you keep seeing Mary Magdalene show up because she was set free from seven demons, and remember what Jesus said: you know, he who has forgiven much loves much. So Mary Magdalene loved much because she had been set free. You know, let's talk about the women that that were with him. This final passage: go to chapter still in chapter eight, since we're here, verse twenty-six. Let me remind you that demons and evil spirits are not fallen angels. Okay, they're, they're not fallen angels. Fallen angels are fallen angels. Okay, let me just say this. You know, well, I don't have time. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Just hang in there. Keep your finger here. Ephesians 6, Jesus said, I mean, Paul said, I'm sorry. Paul was talking about putting on the whole armor of God. And he says, you know, we don't wage war against principalities. You know, we don't wage war against the flesh, but principalities. And if you go there and look at what he says around verse 10 and 11, Ephesians 6, everything he mentions, but we wage war against principalities and powers, world rulers, every term he uses is speaking about geographical entities. It's a, He's talking about what fallen angels are doing. There's a difference between what fallen angels are doing, and if you read that... They're all territorial words. Like in a military campaign, like who would go where. Those words are all territorial words. And from knowing what the Old Testament teaches, that's what fallen angels do. Like Michael was the angel that protected Israel. That's what the book of Daniel tells So, So angels, certain angels, are over certain areas. Just like it was what Deuteronomy 32 tells us. He gave the nations to the angels. Anyway, so... So anyway, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes. Some translations say Gadarenes. Which is opposite Galilee. This is right off the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in the house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, we talked about this the other day, He cried out and fell down before him. This man's full of demons. And he said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? That is incredible. And I've told you all this. That's the loftiest title for Christ. Son of the Most High God. See, that demon spirit was aware that Jesus is eternal. And that he's the eternal Son of God. Look what happens. He says, What have you to do with me? What are you going to do with me? This demon asked Jesus, What are you going to do with me, Son of the Most High God? He says, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and he would be driven by demons into the desert and that's where demons always took people into the desert where do you think Jesus went when he was tempted into the desert and, and that's for a reason he's not going to fail he's victorious but then anyway, we move on driven by demons into the desert Jesus then asked him what is your name and he said legion for where many demons had entered him and look and we'll finish here and they begged him not to command them to go into the abyss see Guess where they knew they're going to end up? They're demons, right? Guess they already know the end of the story. The end of the story is demons, evil spirits, unclean spirits. Where are they eventually going to end up? In hell. That's the same word by the abyss, abuso. Same word for bottomless pit. And they knew that Christ had the authority to put them there. They know that timing's not right, whatever that means. They knew it wasn't the time, but they knew their ultimate destiny was hell. So if they know their ultimate destiny is hell and fallen angels know their ultimate destiny is hell, then their whole purpose in life is to deceive, is to deceive the world and to hinder believers. That's, that's just what they do. Now, since I'm already blown my time, Go back to Revelation 9. Okay. Let me just tell you a couple things to think about. Number one. Jesus is king over this bottomless pit. And we're not through with the whole passage. But we'll, we'll finish it next week. Jesus is king over the bottomless pit. Number two. Jesus is Lord over all the judgments. If you, if you read through there. It, it says it was given to them. It was told them. They allow... So when you, look, Jesus is allowing these things. He allowed all these entities to go do this. He allowed them to look a certain way. He allowed them to sting. He allowed them to hurt. It, they're all submissive. Not to the king over the pit. They're submissive to Jesus Christ. They were allowed to. Jesus is Lord even over hell. Uh, and by the way, this does demonstrate the nature of an eternal hell. Right? They came out of hell and by the way if they're in hell now and they are if people go to hell guess what's in hell they are and eventually they along with Satan and, and the anti the Antichrist and Satan are going to end up in, in not only hell it, it, there's a step further it's called the second death and that's called the lake of fire but this is you want to know what's in hell you want to go party in hell party on this is who's there um if you think about the Bible says you reap what you sow. Okay. What those angels did when they fell and corrupted mankind. God judged them and made them these. Stay in these deformed wicked innocent Bottomless. A bottomless pit. Unending depth of isolation. You never. It, one of the things about hell is it's, it's lonely. Un, a bottomless pit. Think about it. It's in the earth. That's what it sounds like. It's, but you're thinking, bottomless pit, so it means you're never stable. You're never hanging out. You're never fellowshipping. You're, you're always kind of like in a, a free fall of punishment. Bottomless pit. By the way, this is the ultimate terror. You, you know, the Bible says that, that, that the restrainer is going to be removed before the tribulation. And then after the restrainer is moved. See, as bad as it is now, That's that's why you have to believe this is literal. Listen, life is horrible. There's so much sin in the world. But it's going to get worse. And there's going to be some weird things happen during the tribulation. Uh, You remember, uh, this? I'll say this final thing. And this is just great biblical truth. This smoke and sulfur and all this stuff. If you read all of chapter 9, all the things that come out of this pit are the same things that happened word for word with Sodom and Gomorrah. Everything that happens coming out of that pit happened to Sodom and Gomorrah coming down from the heavens. All three things, okay? Smoke, fire, sulfur. And the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah is an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly who do not repent. Folks, this this is not some story. This is literal history. We're just not there yet. Jesus Christ is Lord. He saves us from sin. He saves us from judgment. He saves us from hell. Amen? Let's stand together and we'll pray. Thank you for your presence today. Let's pray. Father, we love you and oh Lord, thank you for the privilege to stir the waters of baptism today and we're just in a little simple country church here in Elmore County, but what that means eternally that two precious souls have been purged from this world of darkness and evil and have been have been sent forth into the kingdom of God to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we trust you. We trust that you haven't appointed us under wrath and one day we're going to be raptured out of this world And then you're going to respond to the prayers of the saints and you're going to bring judgment upon sinners on this earth. Lord, above all, we thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, and the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Bless us now as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, visitation is at 10, service is at 11.